0: Up next is a daily devotional by Pastor Tim Dodson from Believer City Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. To subscribe to the podcast, visit StreetLevelRadio.com and click on subscribe. Thanks for listening to Street Level Radio.
1: We're in Ephesians chapter 2 today, and we just began this chapter the last time we were together. So let's turn there, Ephesians chapter 2, and let's read together, beginning in verse 1. Paul wrote, Once you were under God's curse, doomed forever for your sins. You went along with the crowd, and were just like all the others, full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air, who is at work right now in the hearts of those who are against the Lord. All of us used to be just as they are, our lives expressing the evil within us doing every wicked thing that our passions or our evil thoughts might lead us into. We started out bad, being born with evil natures, and were under God's anger, just like everyone else. Now, when we read this passage and it says, the mighty prince of the power of the air, that was understood by Paul's readers in that day, even if we don't get it now. And what he was meaning was, Satan and the evil spiritual forces that were inhabiting the region between earth and sky. So he's saying Satan is us pictured as ruling the evil spiritual world, the demons and those who are against Christ. Now Satan here means the adversary. He is also called the devil, king of demons. Uh, Whatever uh, analogy, whatever words that we want to uh, use on him, it's the same guy. In this resurrection, Christ was victorious over Satan and its power, therefore Jesus Christ, as a permanent ruler of the whole world, and Satan is the only temporary ruler, a part of the world that chooses to follow him. Now the fact that all people without exception commit sin proves that they share in our innate sinful nature. This is the default position of humanity. Now does this mean there are uh, no good people who are not Christians? No, no, that's not what we're saying. I mean, many people can be good to others, and and they are good in that moralistic uh, framework. Yet, comparing these people uh, to Christians is a totally different scenario, because on God's absolute scale, no one is good. Only through uniting our lives to Christ's perfect life can we become good in God's sight. Now, in our passage today, Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 we just read, God and our scripture refers to these folks as simply dead. Now, as we talked about the last time we were together, that's hard for some of us to fathom. I mean, how can that be? I mean, they're breathing, they're moving, how can they be dead? Well, to understand this, one must be able to grasp just what real death is. And the Bible knows the answer to this. The word it uses in the original language, which is nekros, literally means separation. You see, death never means extinction or annihilation, uh, non-existence, or even inactivity. Death simply means that a person is separated from his body or from God or maybe from both. It's been said that death is the separation of a person from the purpose or use for which he was intended. I think that's a good description. For the natural state of man on this earth is separated from God. First Timothy chapter five, verse six speaks of this, saying, she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. Now, we would use the term dead man walking. So maybe those cheap late night horror film movies are right. Maybe the world is full of zombies. Second Corinthians chapter four, three to four says, even if our good news is veiled, it is veiled to those who are dying in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, that the light of the good news of the glory of Christ who is the image of God should not dawn on them. Now the point is this, the unconverted man lives to fulfill the desires of his flesh and his mind. In reality, He has nothing else for which to live. He knows nothing but this world and its appeals. Therefore, he seeks as much of the world as he can possess and as much as he can enjoy. His life is self-centered, not God-centered. It's world-centered, not heavenly-centered. Selfish, not giving. Banking and hoarding, not sacrificial. Not meeting the needs of a world that frankly is reeling in desperate need and death today. All of this causes us to live under the wrath of God. Sadly, while this is indeed our default position, we actually remain in that position by choice. And we prove this by rebelling against a plan that is unarguably a great redemption. So let's face it, the world is messed up today. Man, even a cursory look around us will acknowledge that truth. Yet we still reject God's plan and his redemption because we think well, we, that we have something to lose. When the truth is, whether we're willing to admit it or not, we have nothing. We are not in control of our lives. We're not in control of our world. And no matter how much we try, we are failing miserably to fix ourselves as much as we are failing to fix this world. You see, gang, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. And in our natural state, we will always seek first to fulfill the desires of our flesh and our minds. That's our nature. Left to ourselves, we are children of God's wrath. Whether we acknowledge the truth or not, left to ourselves, we are lost, separated from God, blind, deaf, enslaved, and helpless.